welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. We've been on this series on the missing piece, and so the question underlined in the series is, where is the peace? Where is the real peace that God says that we can have? And you understand that, you know, if you pay close attention, one of the things you discover is you move from conversation to conversation in your life, my life, no matter how much peace may be around us, sometimes the most difficult, and really, we could say probably the most elusive is in the world is to find the peace within us. Really, that's where it's at, and I want to talk to you about that today. It's amazing how many people I talk to that are struggling with anxiety, struggling with panic attacks, with overwhelming sense of despair, depression, and there are some of you who are here today, you're carrying such a tremendous weight of stress, and you feel that weight upon your soul. The chaos inside of you is desperately needed to find some calm, that's for sure. One of the unique narratives that's in Scripture that Scripture seems to be determined for us to get a hold of is how God stepped into human history in the person of Jesus very specifically to bring you and I peace. The language has, though, been misunderstood, I believe, many times it seems that it's almost impossible for Jesus to get it across to us, what kind of peace he brings and how he brings peace. But if there's anything that's so clear is that somewhere along the way we lost our peace and we all begin to fall to pieces. And if you look back to this prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament, generations before Jesus came, Jesus was described by this prophet in language so detailed, so beautiful, and so poetic that we might miss its power if we just gloss over it. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7 says, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and altogether Prince of Peace, Prince of Peace. And it goes on to say of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Isaiah layers different names of our Messiah, Jesus Christ, the promised one, in those names, he lays for us an imagery and he would, how he would do it and how he would accomplish it on our behalf. He describes him as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace is what we're focusing on again today. In fact, even though he places the prince of peace fourth in the lineup, the next verse is built on this imagery as the peace. He will be called Prince of Peace, and the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. You know, it's easy to, for us to say, you know, I believe you, Jesus, that the greatness of your government and peace, there will be no end, but when will it really begin, right? So we're like, well, you know, there's no end, but some are experiencing his peace today, and you're like, well, when's the beginning, God? We've been waiting like 2,000 years for his government to bring peace, and it seems if there's any phrase in Scripture that's been maybe misunderstood, it could be this one. We tend to focus more on the word government than we do on the word peace. We somehow think Jesus had a plan to take over governments to bring peace. 
But I think we need to look at this and understand and evaluate and to realize that Jesus never intended to bring peace through world governments. He meant to establish his own government of peace, and that's not at the throne or at the center of any empire or nation. The government that Jesus establishes that, that is referred to as the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom, he comes, and I want to talk to you today about how he establishes and what he brings to us What does the shalom of Jesus really bring to us? And he goes on to say, he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The shalom of Jesus brings us justice and peace, the word says. He connects the word peace to the words justice and righteousness. When we think of peace, um, it really kind of begins, you know, as an inner peace and it expresses itself out through justice and righteousness. The true peace that God offers us is peace that brings justice and brings righteousness. How many know we need that in our world? There is no peace within us that does not transform the world outside of us. That's for sure. Maybe you think, well, that imagery is a bit idealistic because he doesn't understand the world that we live in. You ever thought about that? God, do you understand the world we live in? I mean, God, I mean, have you seen us lately? I mean, we're, we're, we're in a mess, right? But, but if you think of it, how it was spoken in that day, of course, you see back to the Old Testament that there was the domination by the Egyptians and the Babylonians and the Persians and the Romans. They don't understand how hard it is for us right now. But both in the time of Isaiah, in the time of Jesus, whether it was the Babylonians or whether it was the Romans, they understood that they did not live in a context where peace would be the natural overflow and outflow of the human heart. Imagine a world where you are conquered by a nation that oppresses the poor, that devalues the common citizen that only focuses on the powerful and the elite, that cares nothing about those who are starving and impoverished, creating a system of such economic inequality that the masses never receive the benefits of the kingdom or the empire in which they are ruled. To be a victim of a leader who thinks that he is a god. It's hard to imagine a world like that we live in, but there's a lot of similarities in the day that we live. And Jesus has come to establish a government of peace inside of this world. Jesus stepped into human history to be the missing peace that our soul desperately longs for and needs. But we keep trying to find some external force, some external thing out there, an institution, a structure that will finally give us peace. That's what we long for, but we can't create world peace in spite of all of our amazing technology today because the war that ends all wars is the war for the human heart. Every war is because of the chaos inside of the human heart. These are the words that Isaiah wrote about the coming of Christ the Messiah where he said he would be the prince of shalom, the prince of peace. The word shalom really is such an amazing word that is layered. It can be as simple as a greeting shalom It can be a word that's said in passing, shalom. It can be overlooked like, how are you doing? But shalom is more than a greeting. It's a declaration of peace, speaking peace into someone's life, speaking peace into someone's home. It's talking about this deep, intrinsic peace that goes beyond our human understanding. 
The beautiful thing about the word shalom is it can be used as a greeting. It can describe peace, but also it's the essence that speaks of wholeness. The shalom of Jesus brings us wholeness too. It's righteousness and justice, but it's only the shalom of God through Jesus Christ, his son, that can make you and I that are fragmented in our souls whole. The shalom puts us together, all the missing pieces. It heals us. It's a part of us that's broken. It takes humans who are shattered at the core and makes us whole. This is the shalom that Jesus has promised us and for us to bring into this world. You know, one of the things that's so amazing about this word, it, it layers from peace to wholeness to interconnection. See, the word shalom assumes that we are all supposed to be interconnected. That's the baseline of shalom. That you and I are all interconnected. We are interwoven. That the universe is not mathematical. The universe is relational. And the shalom is God's ideal that all of us should actually interconnect with one another. That we should all be connected through peace, through love, and through community. And that's why, amongst many things, how abundant life we can offer to you is community and the love and the groups that are here, no matter what age group that you're in, that there is something that binds us more beautifully, more powerfully, more profoundly than blood. It's the shalom that God warned Cain that he said you need to find because when Cain would not offer God an offering that was acceptable to God, he became angry at God, and then he killed his brother. Because the moment he refused to come to peace with God, he determined that he would have no peace with men. Luke describes this imagery. You move into there as it brings the peace into the New Testament, that moment that came when Mary was pregnant with Jesus and Elizabeth was pregnant with John, and they were cousins, you see, that would become known, you see, John as John the Baptist, the one that would prepare the way for the coming Messiah. And I, and I love this wording in Luke chapter 1, is you see this, these words that are written over John the Baptist's life, and it says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. I mean, don't you love that? By which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness, in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of what? Peace. John, you're going to prepare the way for the coming of the Prince of Peace, and through his light and life, he will guide us into the path of peace. I know something about you because I know something about me. Peace is such an elusive space in which you and I struggle. It's amazing that with all the wealth in the world, all the freedom in the world can never really give you inner peace. And there's something here that we see that because of that, many times it seems so elusive, our souls are raging within us. For some of you, the lack of peace looks like anger or bitterness or rage. For some of you, it looks like fear or doubt and worry. The lack of peace really, as we talked about last week, materializes in so many different ways in our heart, in the human heart.
But it says he's come to shine on those living in the darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the path of peace. You know, coming and just thinking about the series and peace and caused me to reflect on peace, thinking about how, many, how so many people fill their minds with other things that they try to alleviate the distress, the stress, and the chaos. They try to step into a space to silence really their inner world, hoping somehow that they can move their soul to nothingness because something is better than nothing, right? It's tragic, though, that so many times that our best hope for peace is to numb the human spirit so we will never feel or we will never think again. But there is a better way that Scripture shows us. God wants you to rest in peace. I mean, why do you think it's on so many tombstones? Right? That maybe it's the first time they hope that person rested in peace. But you and I, we need to learn to rest in peace while you and I are still alive. Jesus came to shine on those living in darkness and the shadow of death. What I want you to know is your anxiety and your fear, your stress, your guilt, your shame that steals your peace is powerless to the peace that Jesus brings today. It's powerless because it can't stand against it. But so many times we put our fear and our worry up up against the Prince of Peace, and we think that's bigger because that's we think about our fear and our worries and our doubts more than we think about the Prince of Peace many times. Probably the most celebrated declaration of the coming of Jesus is Luke chapter 2, 13 and 14. It was read earlier by Carla where the angels came and make their declaration of the coming of the Messiah, and suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. You have this company of angels, and they come to make a declaration, and their declaration is that God will be glorified in the highest heaven where there is peace on the earth. Not just any heaven. I don't know how many layers there are in heaven. The Bible talks about the many layers, but suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. The only thing that, that I, I know about the highest heaven is it's the highest heaven removed from us. A heaven that is untouched by your choices and my choices. So why would angels care about the highest heaven that there should be peace on the earth? How would this bring God the most ultimate glory? If there is no God, then we would have no hope for peace. Merry Christmas, right? But even with God, why would we matter so much to a God with the highest heaven? Why pay attention to us, God? Why wouldn't God just give himself a do-over in the golf term mulligan? You know, like, gosh, I thought humanity was a great idea, but I need to do this over again. No, he didn't do that. When you come over this, you understand Scripture, you and I are but dust. I mean, haven't we given God enough evidence to... Uh, not deserve this peace from war to violence, no matter how developed we are, we can continue to seem to be making a mess. We do many things. We use people to our benefit. Why would God give you and me peace? Why does he care? Glory to God. He will be glorified in the highest heaven on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. And here, here's such an important thing 
to know in the midst of peace because it seems so elusive to us many times. We're trying to grab it and we're grabbing at things. But, but if you want to know if God's favor has rested on you, you can know that by the peace that has rested in you. That is the favor of God. That's what scripture tells. If you want to know that you've been favored by God, it's by the peace that's resting inside of you today. The shalom of Jesus also brings us rest because this is the proof of God. I felt this when my mother passed a couple of years ago. And uh, yes, my heart was in turmoil. There was grief that happens. You get that and understand that because I know that there's people in here that are going through incredible amounts of grief because of loss of a family or friend. But it was in that that the only thing that sustained me in my hurt and my pain was the peace and the shalom of God. That even though we grieve, we can be people that have the peace that surpasses understanding in our hearts. And you can't, and I can't even explain it, right? Right now, we understand that so many people have gone through loss, loss of someone, loss of a relationship, loss of something. But the thumbprint of God on you is that his peace has rested in you. It's resting. It's not your wealth. It's not your success. It's not your popularity. The proof of God's favor on your life is that in the midst of all this chaos in this world, that you have found true sustaining peace. So out of this, we should not be surprised when Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. It's almost as if he needs to clarify this because, I don't know, have you ever in your life ever used language with someone but you meant something different than what they were understanding you say, right? It happens to us on a daily basis, right? And here he comes and said, you know, hey, this is what I want you to understand. Not that the world gives you, but I give you this. I need to, for you to clarify. And so sometimes our language, even between each other, gets messed up like, like uh, you know, like good coffee. Have you ever had someone say, hey, let's go get some good coffee. Oh, let's go there. And you're like, oh, we're not speaking the same language, right? It's English, but it's not English, right? Or, hey, let's go see a, a good movie. Yeah, that's not what I meant. When Jesus speaks about peace, know, he knows something inside of us we don't understand many times. It's completely different. And so he clarifies a peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives you. That's something different. Not the kind of peace that the world's given to you. That's not what I'm offering. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid, right? I love how Jesus simply cuts through all of the muck and the mire of the things that steal our peace in our life quickly. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And if you just take these two and you conquer them, you will have the peace that your soul longs for, even those two things. Don't let your hearts be troubled by maybe 90% of your peace, who knows, will be stolen by your worry. That some of you today are so worried that the world is falling apart. Some of you are so worried today, oh, I might lose my job. Oh, you know what? Some of you are so worried, I, I might lose my girlfriend. Well, you don't even have a girlfriend, which also caused you to really worry, right? <laughs> Think of all the time you would have gotten back if you just stopped worrying, Right? We worry, we worry, we worry. When somebody's optimistic, you think, oh, they're just lying to themselves. 
When Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled, he understands that when your heart is troubled, you think everything else is in trouble. Right? I mean, if your heart is worried and fearful today, that is what you project on the world around you, to the people around you. It's worry, worry, worry. It's fear, 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 fear. That's all you see because that's all that's resting inside of you. Right? Happens all the time. We see it through our lens. When your hearts are troubled, you are the trouble. You try to escape it, but it's trapped inside of you. And so many times we're worried about the things that we have no power or control over. How many have ever found that to be true? Like, I, you worry, we worry, yes, about the things we can't even control anyways. We don't even have power to control it. And you're worried about them because you've stepped into the space that only Jesus has the strength to carry it. Right? Some of you in this room today are so worried and consumed by something over and over again, you have stepped into the space of God. You're trying to carry what only he can carry. And we step into that space all the time. Yeah, I've got the power to do this, and we quickly find out we're crushed underneath of it. There are spaces that you and I are not called to occupy. They're for the Lord. And so we try to carry that. We should not be worried trying to carry but simply trust him today. He said, stop letting your hearts be troubled. Let go of the worry and the peace. They will come, embrace his peace, and worry will go. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So listen, if worry can steal your peace, so much more will fear. Worry and fear travel together in a pack. Ever realize that? They feed off of one another. Worry, fear, worry, fear. They, 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 they operate in packs. And they, they get a lot of momentum off of each other. They build a lot of steam up in our life. Some of you are so afraid that you can't even step into the life you were created to live today in him. You are fearing things today that are holding you back from the very things God has created you to step into. And you just need to go forward and do it afraid and do it out of fear. But know this, that the peace, the shalom of God has got you covered when you're operating under him. Amen? Don't let it hold you back from what he's called you to do. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Stop worrying and do not be afraid. Stop being controlled by fear. You know, worry and fear will steal your peace every time. Stop trying to be the prince of your soul and let Jesus be the prince of peace. John 16 says this, I told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And here is the crucial transition scripture says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Listen, I'm going to tell you something today. Just admiring Jesus or believing Jesus isn't enough to have the peace of Jesus. The peace of Jesus only comes, as this scripture says in John 16, when you and I live in him and he lives in you. I told you these things so that you may have, what? Peace. Then he says something that is so obvious to every single one of us, but so true. In this world, you will have trouble. That's not new news to you, is it? No, none of you act surprised when I said that. Why? Because you know it. In this world, you will have trouble. Yep, that's obvious. Jesus is saying that's the reality of human history. The reason we will have trouble is because we're in trouble is because we are the trouble as well, and we don't have his peace inside of us. The human soul is troubled. 
troubled with fear, troubled with bitterness, greed, arrogance, pride. It looks like unforgiveness. It looks like strife. It looks like violence, and it looks like war. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. And we keep wanting Jesus to change the world without changing us. God, just change the world. Change that government. If he doesn't change us, nothing changes. But take heart, he says, I've overcome the world. We take that, and we use that phrase many times. We throw that as far as we can. He has overcome the world, the world, the world, the world. Somebody looks back at us. He's overcome the world, the world, the world. Many times we don't want the Prince of Peace. We want a king to establish a government. But there's no kingdom that could ever be established that will ever be a kingdom of peace if the human heart remains the same. So Jesus came to be our peace. Peace has come, but our violence killed him. What a plot twist. His path of peace right in the middle of that path was a cross that he went and bore for you and me. His peace could only come for us by our violence. We understand that it was quiet for a few days after his death, but on the third day he rose from the dead and the tomb was empty. And here's what it says in John chapter 20. On the evening of the first day of the week, that's Sunday, that's how you begin your week. This is considered biblically the first day of the week. That's how you begin. You give it to God. The first day right after the last day when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, the Bible says. Jesus came, the doors were locked, but Jesus came anyway. Jesus came and stood amongst them. By the way, you can lock all the doors, but Jesus is going to find a way to bring his love and peace to your heart. You can try to lock him out. Jesus came and stood and said, I'm back. No, he said, she chose these words carefully. And this is what he says in verse 19. We understand that the shalom of Jesus brings us the missing peace. Is inside of this. Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and side signs of their violence. Oh, how badly we needed peace. Peace be with you. Shalom. That's the only peace that's going to be able to calm your soul today. His peace. Understand today that the entire universe is groaning for redemption, the Bible says. The entire universe. Listen, it wasn't supposed to be this way. Brother hating brother. Families hating families. People hating people. It wasn't supposed to be humanity. Humanity separated by race. Again in verse 21, he comes right back at it. Peace be with you as the Father has sent me. I'm sending you now. And after that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. We need the work of the Holy Spirit, amen? He says, the peace I've given to you is not just to be inside of you. It's to be given out to a world that desperately needs peace today. Desperately needs peace. Believers in this room, listen, you shouldn't be running around frightened, your hands up in the air, oh my God, it's all falling to pieces. I mean, when I look at you, I'm not following your God, if that's what you're doing. No, I'm not following your God. I'm following the God of the Word, which says He is my Prince. He's the Prince of Shalom. He's the Prince of Peace that reigns inside of the human 
heart. That's what this world needs to know. Receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to be the missing piece that your soul and my soul really longs for. That there is no nation, there is no government, there is no institution, there is no drug, there is nothing that will end the violence if the war that will end all wars is not won in the human heart. But Jesus came to establish his government in you and me. That's the government. That's the government of God. That's the government that he's trying to establish inside of you. That's the government that he's saying inside of this portion of Scripture. God has his own government, and he has established it, and is continuing to establish it. Once we know his peace, then listen, then, then justice and righteousness will, will go out everywhere, that Jesus is the peace. He is your shalom today. That's, that's what I'm saying. I want to speak peace over you. I want to speak peace over your home, speak peace in your campus today, over your workplace, no matter what you're going through today in your turmoil. But I want to encourage you, those of you that are believers that understand the word of God today, listen, you don't have to live in fear. I think any believer that understands God's word at this point in history understands where we are at in the final days before Jesus comes back. Come on, if, you're, if you're, you're, you don't understand that, you need to get in God's word and you, can, you need to understand where we're at in these end times so we can be people of peace rather than running around. He said, hey, all these things are gonna happen and then the end will come, but do not fear. You don't have to be afraid today. You and I have the Prince of Peace and he is here with us in this room today. And I speak that over your life in Jesus' name. Amen. So... That yes, our hearts would be conquered by him and be given to him. That there would be peace in your heart. There would be peace in your home. And the peace that he has given to us will be given to others that are really in need. Like people that you're going to come across their path this week, today, that really need peace. It's always amazing to me when we give out boxes of food yesterday and just to be able to be a blessing as a church. How many people, as they come through, and we had such wonderful help that helped us. People roll down their windows, and we have wonderful serving teams just being able to give them the food. But it, it's so amazing as we have the opportunity that when they roll their window down and we ask them how many boxes of food they need, and it's at that moment we say, can we pray for you? And I will tell you, people break and weep. Would you take the opportunity this week in the midst of this craziness? Would you stop and just take the time? To, come on, would you do it? But the Prince of Peace is really, if we're saying this, this, this season is about Jesus, let's stop making it about presents. Let's start making it about him, the gift, and take the time to speak peace into somebody because there are a lot of people that are hurting. People that are coming through. Hey, they're embarrassed to come through and, and get food. We don't, we're not here to make them feel embarrassed. We just want to be a blessing and love on them. But man, when you ask them what that prayer need is and then you see it in their eyes and their tears well up and they begin to cry, you know God is coming as a prince of peace to overwhelm them. That's what we pray. That's what we believe. I pray that you would do that this week. Maybe you need to do that in your family today. Maybe you need to do it this week, man, if, if the Christmas gathering is in your home, come on, just speak God's peace over every family member that is there. Say, wait a minute, before we eat today, 
Before we eat this meal, I just want to speak peace over every single one of you in Jesus' name because that peace is available to all of us. Come on, let's take the time. Let's do that this week. Let's bring him in on the conversation with those that are around us because God's peace is there. It's available to every single person. He wants to give it to us. And the way that happens is through you and me. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit. He'll breathe peace not only on you, but through you. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need your peace, and I thank you today, Lord. I speak your peace to every single person in this room. To those that are watching online, I speak to you. Maybe you're home today and you're sick. You're not well in your body. Maybe you've been given a diagnosis that's caused you turmoil. I pray right now for those in this room, those online, I pray the supernatural peace of shalom upon you that would rest upon your soul and in your heart and that, Lord, that that peace would not stop there but it would come through us and help those that are around us to take the time this week to speak peace over somebody that's going through such unrest. Maybe it's grief or maybe it's loss today. And we're struggling through that. God, I thank you for your overwhelming sense of peace. Oh, fall on us today, Lord. Fall upon us today as your people. Fall upon us, Lord God, that we would have this in our homes, in our marriages, in our children. Let it come into our workplace. Let it come to our campus amongst our friends, Lord, that are struggling with loss and grief. Let there be a deep sense of your peace, Lord, that would now come reside in us. We thank you for it. We love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. So I just encourage you to take the Prince of Shalom with you this week. And all that you do and all that you're at, wherever you're at, Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.